morning we are concluding our series entitled Convictions, and we've been really dealing with the non-negotiable truths that exist in the Christian faith, the convictions that quite literally shape what we believe and the way in which we live our lives. And we've navigated through a lot in the last several weeks. We've, we've discussed everything from our sin nature uh, to God's great gift of grace and his desire to meet us and be in relationship with us. We've we discussed the inerrant truth of the Bible and God's desire to redeem his creation. We've covered a lot. We've gone through a lot of, of conversations. And I find that it's, it's fitting that we would finish our conversation today being reminded that we were not meant to do life alone. And we weren't meant to come home and draw the shades and you know, lock the door and kind of hunker down and you know, if somebody knocks on the door, maybe we look through the peephole or pull up on our phone and look through our digital peephole and, you know, say something like, ah, no solicitors. We weren't meant to, to, to close ourselves off from the world, but instead God has created us to do life together. And God's greatest call to obedience is that we would love him and that we would live together in loving community. You know, in a season that has served to push so many away from meaningful interaction. There's no greater message the church and the world, for that matter, needs to hear. It's much more than just physical and social distancing that's, that's really occurred over the past year. We've seen mental, emotional, and, and spiritual distance creep in as well into our relationships, into our spheres of influence, where we're separated by beliefs and and thoughts and opinions on different things. And, and we find it okay to fleece people on social media because they have a different or opposing view. And we've separated ourselves from fellowship. So what is it that inherently drives us to, or in some cases, away from meaningful community? I think there's several components that, that drive us to community. Many of us have a desire for connection. We desire to be in relationship. We desire to have that sense of, of belonging. Perhaps we're wanting to find other people in a similar season of life. I've got kids. You've got kids. Let's, you know, hold on for dear life as we raise our kids. We want to share life with people who are in that same place as we are. Perhaps you have a need to be challenged or encouraged you know, intellectually or spiritually or emotionally. Sometimes it's tragedy or heartbreak or a defining life moment that, that, that thrusts us into community or leaves us desiring connection with people. Sometimes it's just needing physical, emotional, or intellectual and spiritual connection. We, we want to just be around people. Well, there's also things in life that can drive us away from community, a fractured or a broken relationship where we pull back from the safety and the vulnerability of relationship. Perhaps for you it's been a struggle with, with sickness or disease. This, this, this season has, has been wrought with people struggling through difficult physical circumstances. And sometimes people don't want to place other people in, in harm's way, and so they, they pull back from community. Breached or broken trust in a relationship. Somebody said one thing and then they did something else. They broke trust, and we found ourselves in a place of saying, well, I, I, don't, I just don't trust people anymore. 
I know this is nobody in, in, in this room or none of you online, but political disagreements sometimes cause people to want to separate themselves from community. We feel like it's okay to walk away from fellowship because somebody has an opposing view. And certainly, the hypocrisy in the church or hypocrisy that, that people see in Christians is sometimes something that causes people to want to pull away from meaningful interaction. The reality is the way in which we engage in and approach spiritual community is one of the greatest signs of spiritual health. Do you realize that? The way that you exist in relationship is one of the greatest signs of the health of the spirituality and the faith that you have. The way we treat people. The way we treat one another. You know, Francis Schaeffer is a speaker and a theologian and an author, and he was quoted as saying, our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. Do you realize people are judging whether or not our faith in Jesus Christ, whether our so-called Christianity is authentic by the way in which we treat one another? By the way we come together? By the way that we talk about each other? By the way that we lift one another up? People are watching your social media to see your reaction when somebody says something that you might take question or objection to. As we know, God's desire has always been for us to live together in community. The greatest example that we see in Scripture is, is that of the Church of Acts. They got it. They figured it out. They, they understood what it meant to love God and to love one another. And I want to spend a few moments this morning looking at Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, and seeing how community is meant to be done. If you have your Bibles, you can join me in Acts chapter 2. If you don't, you can jump online and, and grab hold of the YouVersion Bible app. We have all of our notes and our, our scriptures available there for you. But in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple. They met in hope homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you have given us the gift, not just of relationship with you, but Father, the ability to be in relationship with one another. So Father, we humbly ask today that you would reveal to us what it means to live in community. You would reveal to us what it means to, to show grace and to love people. We ask, God, that you would get a hold of our hearts, Lord, and you'd speak to our minds. Show us the areas that maybe we need to address when it comes to community. Father, we thank you that you loved us first. And because of that, we have the ability to return that love to you 
and to share love with others. Help us today, we ask, Father. Bless this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this, in this passage, we, we clearly see the great value and power that exists in a community of believers who are committed to the care of one another. These people were committed to loving one another, to provi- providing for one another, to sharing with one another, to praying for one another, to encouraging one another. They were committed. It wasn't this kind of like, oh, you know what, I, I got some extra time this week. You know, I took a few days off, so I, maybe I think, I, I think I'll go and be in community. You know what, I feel better today than I did yesterday, so I think I'll engage in meaningful relationships. Because it's all about how I feel, after all. No, they were committed to being together. They were committed to caring for one another. The key component to grab hold of, though, is, is found in right at the beginning of the passage in verse 42. What does it say? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing and meals and to prayer. They devoted themselves. Above everything else, they devoted themselves. And when we come to this place of understanding what community is supposed to look like, there's a few things we need to embrace. The first thing is this. God created us to exist in relationship and community. Boom! Big surprise. God created us to exist in relationship. He designed us to have meaningful interaction. And he desires that we would do just that. You know, in understanding that we've been created to live in a relationship, it's important we ask the question, am I moving toward or away from community? Am I moving toward or am I moving away from meaningful interaction? Because the Bible says they devoted themselves to fellowship and care. What does that word devoted mean? It's characterized by loyalty and devotion. They were loyal to one another, and they were devoted to the things that people needed. They were devoted to being together. And their devotion was displayed displayed in meaning together, sharing everything, spending time in prayer and worship. And what happened? What happened as a consequence of them being devoted to being together? Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Do you want to know my heart for Neighborhood Church? Do you want to know my heart for Albany? Is that as we do community well, God would add those saved. That we would see people saved. That we would see people who embrace their loved and they're cared for. And they would begin to understand that their life is not an accident, but God has a plan and a purpose for them. And that we would begin to see a a revival spring up in Albany and the surrounding areas. We wouldn't just be satisfied with weekend church, but we would allow our love to cause a ripple effect in our city, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So what are we devoted to? What are you devoted to? 
Because there's a lot of things that we spend time doing. We devote ourselves to our work. We devote ourselves to our hobbies. We devote ourselves to our families. We devote ourselves to our kids. Ah, I'm going to move everything out of the way for my kids. They can't have any struggle or hardship. We live in a culture where everybody gets a trophy. And sometimes we devote ourselves to great things and we forsake the opportunity to invest in the people around us. We forsake the opportunity to love people. Are we spending time together in community with people who don't yet believe? Are we loving and caring for people who don't know the name of Jesus? Who don't understand that they are created with a purpose? Or do we tend to gravitate to comfortable community? I like to hang out with those people I know, and they know me. And, you know, there's, there's no misunderstandings. It's just we, we can just kind of be together, and they get me. I can be myself. Because that's where we tend to gravitate. All of us do. It's to our sphere of influence. But how often are we breaking outside of it? How often are we reaching outside of that community of people with whom we prefer to exist. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I don't think we could, I don't think anybody in, in this place would debate that we're in the last days. We're in the end times. Now, how long we've been in the end times, I don't know. Just not that smart. But I like to think we've probably been at it for a while now. Basically, when Jesus ascended into heaven, we were in the end times. Because <laughs> at some point, he was going to return. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. In a year, and 10 years, and 100 years, and 1,000 years, I do know that a, a year is like a, a vapor in the, in the, in the scope of eternity. We need to understand that we are called to love and live in community. And in a season where the tensions of culture and public opinion and politics seem to continue to rob people of the fellowship they desperately need, are we willing to be those who push past the noise? Are we willing to be those who push past all the nonsense to simply just love people? We don't ever need church to be relegated to this. Oh, we just, we all, you know, we float around on fluffy clouds and we just love. But sometimes we overcomplicate it. Sometimes we miss the fact that God's called us to care for people. He's called us to love him and love one another. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. We're always loyal, and we're always willing to help. What does that say? A brother is born to help in time of need. You're born to help others. You're born to love people. You were created to exist in community. And God desires that we would love him first and devote ourselves to loving and caring for each other. So we've got to remember that God created us 
to exist in relationship and community. The second thing is this. Your story matters in the context of spiritual community. Your story matters. It's always interesting to me how people tend to miss the great impact they make by just showing up. Why is that? Why do we minimize our impact on a situation? Why do we tend to look at community and say, well, it's not that important that I be there? For whatever reason, we often minimize the power of our story. And I'm not saying this because I'm looking at you know, attendance rosters and going, oh, I tell you what, people are starting to miss church and whew, this is not okay. So hear the heart of your, your pastor. I'm not here to f- fleece everybody for your attendance records. I'm saying we often miss the great impact that we can make just by being a part of community. Your story is unique. The seasons of life that God has brought you through are important. The struggles that you faced in life, the the things that others are quite literally experiencing right now, the things that God has brought you through that you can encourage somebody with right now, the victory that God has given you in the face of uncertainty is an encouragement to someone. And you may just be the only one who can bring that encouragement and that life-giving word. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We were not meant to live in isolation. Do you know there are people who are not just struggling from the impacts of loneliness, they're struggling with aloneness. They're struggling because they're isolated and they're alone and then by themselves. And everything that they are facing seems that much bigger and greater because of that. And at times, impossible. Whether we're at church, at work, or at home, or in our neighborhoods, we have the privilege to invite people into community. Are you the kind of person who walks outside and you go out and you're you know, grab the mail and you see your neighbor and you just kind of wave and, hey, your lawn's looking great. Good job. What, what kind of fertilizer are you using again? Or are you doing life with your neighbors? Do you know your neighbors? Do you know the things they're struggling through? Do you know the things they're concerned about? Do they see Jesus in you? It's too often we just take for granted that we're surrounded by people. And we miss opportunities to love and be loved. There's an amazing thing that happens when we get the opportunity to hear somebody's story. I shared a 
about a year ago, if you struggle trying to mine someone's story out of them, use the five H's. Pastor Bill Wilson taught me this. The five H's. History, hobbies, home, heroes, hopes. What are the things that are important to them? Talk to them about where they come from, who their family was like, the hobbies, the things they love to do on their free time, the, their marriage, their spouse, their hopes, their dreams. People, they look at as heroes. And why? Do we enjoy hearing people's stories? Do we enjoy leaning into people's unique story? And learning to share our own story brings a level of humanness that opens up interaction. When we're willing to share our vulnerabilities and the, the good times and the bad and the things that we've walked through and the things that God has brought us through. When you embrace the value of your story in the scope of community, you'll be driven to find the value of other people's stories as well. When you realize that you are indeed special, then you'll see other people the same way. When you realize you are in fact somebody who is saved by grace and the love of Jesus, then you'll see everybody else as deserving that same grace and that same love. Because we weren't meant to do life alone. The transforming power of Jesus is something we should all want to share. Luke 8, 30. says, The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, speaking of Jesus. But Jesus sent him home saying, No, Go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. Oftentimes when God does something amazing in our lives, we want to come and tell all of our God friends. Hey, all my, my Jesus people, come here, i got to tell you this. What did Jesus say? No, 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 don't hang out with me. Go tell your friends. Go tell your family. Go tell all the people who knew who you were before I showed up. Those are the people that need to hear the hope. Those are the people that need peace. Those are the people who are struggling through a pandemic and a crazy season of life, the likes that we've never seen before. And most of them are struggling to figure out which end is up. Are we going to those people? Are we sharing life and doing life with those people? Because every one of us brings a different and beautiful part to God's desire for community. Every one of us brings something unique to God's story in your life and in mine. So we've got to understand that God created us to exist in relationship. And your story matters in the context of spiritual community. The final thought is this. Community is at its best when everyone is connected and feels a connection. When every person is connected and feels a connection, community is better. While we all see the importance and value of community, we sometimes miss our role in it. We, we diminish our story. We say, well, it's not that big of a deal if I show up or don't. Nobody's going to notice anyways. 
And yet the reality is we need to be the ones who are going out of our way to invite people into community. When people walk in the doors of the church, are they welcomed? Are they engaged? Are they reached out to? When we see somebody we don't know, do we try not to make you know, eye contact? It's our job to go out of our way to remember every day what it feels like to be alone. When was the last time you did that? Went out of your way to remember what it felt like to be alone. And I've heard it all over the years. I've heard every excuse in the book. Well, I'm not very good with names. You know, I can't remember people's names. They tell me their name, and then 30 seconds later, it's like, yeah. I'm not very outgoing. I'm I'm not great in conversation. I'm, I'm more of an introvert. Yeah, you and half the population. And I'm just not that interesting. Nobody really wants to hear about my woes. Here's the reality. When we don't work on it, we don't ever get better at it. I had the privilege to serve under a pastor who, for the better part of, of 20 plus years of ministry, knew basically every, every person's name in the church. And this was not a small church. It was a church of about 1,500 people. And he knew everybody's names. And I don't know how he did it. And I used to think to myself, what in the world? And I thought, I could never do that. And I would be that one that would walk in and be like, hey there, Phil. It's not Phil. It's Sam. Oh, it's, they're similar-ish. Or you, you, you walk into a place and you see the person that you just met last week and you go, hey, I'm going to go this way because I don't remember their name and I don't want to make eye contact and I sure as heck don't want to talk to them. And be like, tell me your name again. And so we make excuses. Do you know people would rather be noticed and connected and you say, would you remind me of your name than to be completely ignored? What we don't work on, we won't ever, ever have the ability to get better at. I went from not being able to remember people's names because I'm a bit ADD to now being able to remember people's names. I've gotten to a place where I, I remember a lot of people's names. But you have to figure out what works. You know, say, say the person's name three times before you end the conversation. Write it down. You know, do a little word play. Well, his name is Sam, and you know, he likes spam, so there's that. But we have to figure out something instead of just avoiding interaction and community altogether. Deep down, we all desire a deep sense of connection. Every one of us wants to feel connection and wants to be connected to, wants to be a part of community. The reality is we were all new once. I guarantee you that at some point you walked through the doors of this church for the first time. I know. I am brilliant (laughs) because I know that to be true. I didn't even have to be there. I just know it. We all were new once. We all stepped in and were vulnerable and said, oh, I'm going to go check this place out. I don't know what to expect. And 
hopefully the people aren't weird and we've all been there. When was the last time you went out of your way to meet someone new? You walk into church and you look for all the people that you know and we gravitate over to our little, our little group, our little community. And then that person walks in who's coming in to kick the tires for the first time and they're not really sure about this place. They go unnoticed. What about at work? What about at school? What about the kid who's sitting by himself over at the table eating lunch? Nobody's connecting to. What about your neighbor? The neighbor who lost a loved one is now alone by themselves. Do we go out of our way to love them and care for them and see what they need? Romans chapter 1, verse 11. Paul understood the great value of spiritual community. Paul said this in Romans chapter 1. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. It's a mutual thing. Community is meant for you and for me. It's, it's meant for connection. We both get something from it. This is Paul. This is the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. The guy who was, who was converting people in prison. That Paul. And what does he say? I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. We have the opportunity and the privilege to bless people in community and to be blessed by them. Do you know the greatest spiritual giants in the world? The ones that we would look up to and be like, man, if I could just have faith like that guy. If I could just have a prayer journey like that woman. Those people want to do community as well. Those people need to be encouraged as well. And when we step into community, we are encouraging one another and we're being encouraged. We need to invite people to belong before they believe. It's why we do so many things outside of Sunday morning. It's why we have craft nights. It's why we go to the school and we serve. It's why we show up in, in parks and we pick stuff up and we don't shout at shout the top of our lungs, hey, we're neighborhood church, you should come check us out. We just serve people and we love people so that maybe, just maybe, we could have an interaction that would be life-giving. So maybe, just maybe, we could share the hope of Jesus through a story. Every one of us deserves and desires to belong. Do we strive, though, to invite people into belonging? We desire to belong. Are we inviting people into that same place? I close with this quote. I was studying this week and found this gentleman. He's a pastor and an author. His name's Erwin Ince. And he challenges us to reimagine community, to come back to a place of understanding what community is about. Because I'm telling you right now, community's been strained. And in some cases, it's been destroyed by this current season. Church looks a lot different. This is what Erwin Entz says. What if 
as we regather for worship, we also reimagine our pursuit of beautiful community. What preferences have morphed into idols that need to be destroyed? What preferences do we need to loosen our grip on for the sake of extending the grace and love of Christ to diverse neighbors? Our freedom in the Christian community is the freedom to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Our liberty as Christians is the liberty to die to our preferences, the liberty to die to our disordered desire for our pleasure. Our freedom as Christians is the freedom to say to our neighbors, we want to see you grow toward maturity in Christ. Our heart's desire is to do everything we can to edify you, to build you up in the faith, to see you come to maturity in Christ. And this is something we are to pursue, building each other up, edifying one another, and pleasing one another. That's beautiful community. Are we willing to lay down our preferences for others? Are we willing to step back from what we want the most? Because what did you see in that quote? Did you see me in there anymore? It was all about what we can do for others. It's all about how we can come into meaningful community and interaction and truly love and care for people. And in the midst of a world that continues to grow more and more divided, I choose to continue to believe in the great power of followers of Jesus devoted to loving one another. I just believe that when we love people, it changes the conversation. That when people are disagreeing and calling each other names, when we choose to step in with selflessness and love, it changes things. I choose to believe that the power of Jesus evident through us can change a conversation. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you. We thank you that in the midst of of a, a society and a culture that seems bent on yelling and screaming at, at one another and, and, and promoting dissension and divisiveness and, and seems to continue to divide people instead of bring people together. Even the initiatives and the policies and the proposals that they say will bring us all together do nothing but divide us. So God, there's only one thing that will truly bring us together. And it's the love that you so freely showed us. It's the love that you showed us in sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that we could have life and life more abundant. It's the love that we're called to show one another in meaningful community and interaction. So Father, we ask that you'd help us today. We know that we can't do this alone. We can't do it without your strength, without your power. We ask, Lord, that we would push past our own preferences to see the needs of others. And we wouldn't get so caught up in our own thoughts and opinions that we miss the conviction that we are called to community. We are called to love you, to love each other. So we ask that you'd help us today. Holy Spirit, you guide us in our conversations and our interactions. You give us a word to say or an encouraging thought to share when we see our neighbors, when we interact with coworkers. 
go back to school. And in those moments, Father, we know that love will speak louder than anything else. And it will draw people together so we can share the hope and the love of Jesus to those with whom you've called us to exist. Oh, we worship you, Father, and we thank you. We thank you for the privilege you've given us to step into relationship with you. Today, if you are in that place of just saying, I want to, I want to re-engage community. I want to step back into meaningful relationship. I want my eyes to be focused on the people that I need to love. If you're like me, and say, yes, yes, I need to do that. So God, help us. Help us to be the kind of people who see the world through your eyes who understand that every person deserves grace. Not because of anything we've done, but because of your great love. So help us to offer that grace. Help us to offer that love. And we know, Lord, that as we do that, that you will be seen, you will be evident in everything we say and do. We ask for your help today in Jesus' name. Perhaps you're in this place or you're tuning in online and you have not made a decision to follow Jesus with your whole heart, and you say, you know what, I've tried to live my life right. I've tried to do things well. I've tried to be kind. But I understand it's not enough. Perhaps you've walked away from a relationship with God or you've walked away from a relationship with other people and you desire to reinvest yourself this morning, we want to give you the opportunity to say yes to God. We want to give you the opportunity to say yes to relationship. The Bible says it's not enough for us to just do good things. But we need to live together in relationship with Jesus. So we're going to say a prayer in just a moment. We invite you to say this prayer. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that Christ was died and was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. So we invite you to that decision today. We invite you to say yes to God. We're not going to ask you to stand up or come forward or wave your hand. Just simply to say this prayer and to believe in your heart that you need a Savior. Church, can we say this prayer together? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to show me how to live. And he died and was raised back to life so I could have relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, this is the greatest decision that we can make in life is to say yes to following Jesus with our whole heart. 
doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. But it does mean that by the power of the Holy Spirit and as God desires a plan and a purpose for our lives, that we can walk in hope. We can walk in peace. We can share love, understanding that we were loved first. We've got some great opportunities this week to show the love of Jesus outside the walls of our church. Again, we invite you to come and be a part of the work we're doing at Lafayette Elementary. Our greatest desire is to be a blessing in our community and to be in community as we do that. But there's a great beauty that exists in an intentional spiritual community. So will we be those who devote themselves to loving, growing, and being together in that beautiful community? Because it's a choice, it's a decision that we make every day to step into relationship, to love people. So as we say at Neighborhood Church, love, grow, be, let's be those who are active in our faith and active in sharing the love of Jesus. Pray your blessing on, on your week. We look forward to being together. And as we go out of this place and we desire to love, grow, and be, let's be the neighborhood to those that we come in contact with. Bless you and have a great week.